Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Welcome back to the In the Woods podcast, the show dedicated to your strange and eerie encounters in the outdoors. Today's episode features Autumn's story and a lonely hike in the woods that they almost never came back from. This is In the Woods, the show all about the mysterious and terrifying things that happen beyond the tree line. I'm Eric the new host of In the Woods, at the request of Darkness Prevails. As always, it's a pleasure to be here tonight. For a link to our Discord and where you can be interviewed for a future episode, and to discover more horror podcasts, go to eeriecast.com. I'm accompanied by Autumn, who will be sharing their story, and give us a little insight on what happened that day. Alright, Autumn, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, well, growing up, I always lived out in the woods, and I rarely had ever lived in a very, like, neighborhood area, so I'm always used to the woods, the kind of ominousness of it as it gets darker out, you know, the noises, different kind of creepy things that happen, so, you know, I've always had an interest in like cryptids and things that lurk around in the dark and you know growing up on that horse ranch with my grandma really like got into that because I always was around the woods I always would hear the creepy little stories and you know I've always liked that genre of story because I could relate to it living out in the woods. Were there any local stories that people would tell you growing up that, you know, it was just something maybe local to the area and they'd, they would go over? Well, my grandma always told me the typical story about don't go too far from home because there's a monster out there. And I never really believed her. But there was a couple of instances of hunters Every so often, whenever they'd go out, especially in the fall to winter months, going deer hunting and turkey hunting, they would hear, you know, strange noises sometimes, or they would feel like a sense of dread or like a deep sadness whenever they were in their perch or, you know, sitting around waiting for an animal to pass them by. But other than that, it's been pretty quiet in my area. All right. So I guess going on with today's today's story, what what I mean, what can you give us a little description of like the scene, like your 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 family's house and everything, the setup and then, you know, time of day, everything like that? Absolutely. So 
my grandma, whenever she got with my grandpa, he owned a construction company and they uh, decided to build this really beautiful A-frame house on top of this hill. And, you know, they built it from ground up all, you know, they put a lot of money into it. It's a really beautiful home. And they have a lot of land on this, in this home. And they have like a, I think it's like about four to five acre lawn on top of this hill. That's just their area. And then there's a gate behind the house that leads down a pretty steep hill and it goes on to an even bigger field. And it's about maybe between 10 to 15 acres of land down there. And my grandma was really, she really liked horses. So she would always have horses down there and they were, she also had like at one point um, cows, but as I grew up, she kind of got rid of the animals and just kept the land. The way that the field is kind of laid out is if you're up on the hill and you're looking straight down, there's a tree line that runs across the right side, and then there's a road that runs across the left side. And on the right side, where the tree line is, about 10 feet from there is a creek that runs along the side of that fence all the way down through the area, through people's yards, under, you know, underground at some points. And like then a, like a little bit further creek, up the... They would use it to water their farmlands, stuff yeah. like that? Mm-hmm. My grandma actually has a connection, like the well water is connected to that creek. Okay, yeah. Like they have, like, is it kind of like the ones where they have the, uh, you know, there's a water master and they take turns, you know, who's using water for that day and then they open their, their gate, I guess? Something like that? Mm-hmm. Or is it more like uh, like a wild creek and they just have split offs where they can they can get water from it? It's a, it's sort of, it's a wild creek, but if you go way further up the creek, there is a spot where there are it limits how much water is because it's connected right to the river. Oh, I see. And sometimes yeah. when it floods really bad in the river, it can, we, yeah, we have a dam that's further up, like a couple miles up the road from where it's at. And it keeps it from flooding really yeah. bad. Okay. All right. I think that helps really paint a picture of kind of, of everything. And, um, and yeah, what, what time of day did you say this was when this happened? It's really hard telling because it happened when I was like around eight years old. Mm-hmm. But I think the time of day was around like six to seven in that general area. It also happened in like the fall time. So it got a lot, it got darker a lot faster. Yeah. So, well, you'd say, yeah. So it was generally dark outside already at this point, right? Or it's getting there. Maybe the lights are starting to kind of go out. and. Yeah, know. it was getting there. It's kind of like whenever you're outside in the fall and you realize just how dark it got and you didn't even notice it. Yeah. Okay. I could also add that there's a bridge that goes over the creek that I regularly visited. Okay, yeah. Yeah, give us some insight about that bridge as well. Or just anything general to, you know, to the story that <laughs> might might be some keynotes. 
that you think uh, people would find interesting or, yeah. you know, even, even stories that people had told you around there, if you have anything like that. Yeah, of course. Um, so the bridge, it, there's like an old one, almost one lane back road that kind of goes up toward around the side of the hill. And that bridge originally, it was lower to the ground, like really low, but it kept flooding over that area. So they had to build the bridge up a lot higher. And I, whenever they built that bridge up, I spent a lot of my time under the bridge, kind of just doing whatever. It was like the one area that I could go to. And, you know, I spent time down there all the time, finding rocks, you know, doing whatever I could. Then uh, on the hill where my grandma's house is situated, it kind of slants down towards where the shed is and across the driveway. And about 20 to 25 feet from where the driveway is, there's a, a cliff, like a bluff. It's about 15 feet tall, and it varies in size all the way down it. But it's like this huge cliff that goes across and leads down into the creek and to the bridge all right and then can you tell us the uh i guess let's get into the story here exactly what happened do you you know from the beginning i guess what what led you to that point you know what what were you in school at the time were you was it summer or you said it's fall right so um for me it was always yeah this is around the fall time yeah for me it was it wasn't about in the fall time i think it was on a i'm pretty sure i went to school that day but i I was already off of school and it was getting later and i had decided to go down to the creek with my dog i brought my dog with me and he kind of just going around and because especially where i lived at there we didn't have internet at that time we had no internet i didn't have a phone or a tablet or a laptop i had nothing so I had to find different ways to entertain myself, and one of them was always going down to the bridge or walking down the creek. Well, I got a little bit curious, and I wanted to walk further down the creek to an area I'd never seen before because I only traveled up the creek so far. I decided I was going to go ahead and go. And at that time, it was like the time that I left from the house, it was right when I got out of school, so about like, three to four o'clock and I just went down to the bridge hung out there for a little bit then I went down not really paying attention to the time and you know I just walked a good distance probably about like a mile or so down the creek just kind of looking at all the different stuff stuff I've not seen before kind of just you know finding random stuff that washed up on the creek so i took my time going down the creek i didn't just run down and come back up i actually stopped in certain places played with minnows tried to catch frogs kind of just doing whatever a kid would do yeah i'm not sure you know how old you are i'm 27 so you know around when i was eight this is still like before phones and you know phones are around obviously but just no smartphones mm-hmm. those didn't come out until i was like i think i was like 15 and uh it was iPad, yeah. iPod, iPod came out and I was like, you know, everyone was losing their minds. But yeah, I remember just being a kid, same thing, you know, go out in the woods and you just make your own fun. And I didn't have like, I had friends going to school, but I didn't have any that left, that lived near this area. 
because like the people that lived out there it's a very rural rural i can't really say that word but it's a very rural area and your nearest neighbor will be like up at least a mile or two from you like that's the least and you know when you're spaced out so much you don't really interact with other kids so i kind of just had to really really get creative with how I would entertain myself. And a lot of times it was with my dog. Like I'd always go on adventures with my dog and kind of just explore the Creek, have fun any way I really could. And that's one of the ways I Mm -hmm. figured I could have fun was, Oh, let's go explore a new area. You know, maybe we might find something that we never seen before, or maybe we'll find a new spot to swim at or play at whatever it was. You never felt uneasy or, you know, being so young and alone out there? I think part of the reason why I didn't feel that way was because I had grown up around it. I had been around it for so long. And, you know, I've, I've, at the time I went hunting with my grandpa, we went duck hunting, deer hunting, turkey hunting. So I spent a lot of time out, time out in the woods and I never, I up until that point, I had never really felt an uneasiness from being out there. I did, however, feel kind of off whenever I would go to sleep because it being a rural area, the coyotes would come up into the yard and walk around and right outside my window to the left of my bed was like a rock bed and you could hear them like pitter-pattering on the rocks you could hear the rocks moving and you could hear them like yelp and make all their little noises and it was creepy to me as a kid because they're just out there even though i knew that they wouldn't attack me or you know yeah i mean they can definitely attack though there's been plenty of coyote attacks there typically they don't but it's you know it's recorded so you know, but as a kid, I think we don't really think about that. We think, yeah. just think like, oh, look, it's a big dog. But, uh, you know, my thing, I lived in yeah. the woods and they, they told me, like, watch out for bobcats. Like, because people were always getting attacked by bobcats in the woods. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's another thing. We used to hear stories about people hearing bobcats while they were hunting. Like, me and my grandpa would always hear stories about people saying it's, like, the craziest, creepiest thing they've ever heard hearing a bobcat scream. Yeah, it sounds like uh, like an old lady screaming. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Even I heard that at night, and I wasn't as freaked out as hearing those coyotes right outside my window. Another thing was uh, out, there was this giant window behind my bed that, like, stretched the size of my bed, and it was under a, like, um, porch kind of deck thing, and they would sometimes go under there and it creeped me out because, you know, you're laying in bed and it's like they're right behind you. You know, you can hear them pittering and making all their noises. And It scared me that they would get that close, but deer got that close. Wild animals all the time would come up in the yard. So, but the coyotes creeped me out the most. Yeah. Was it fenced in at all or was it open? Um, the only part of it that was fenced in was the, uh, ranch like the actual field mm-hmm. oh, yeah, going that downhill sense. that was the rest of it was open because 
I mean, my grandma made a natural privacy fence of, like, pine trees up near the road. So you would get, like, that, even though it was up on a hill, you really couldn't see in the yard anyway. Yeah, it was just secluded. It was behind the tree line. You couldn't really see anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, can you tell us the story about um, what had followed you home? Okay. So, like I said earlier... It was, you know, I had wandered down to the creek, and I had gotten pretty far. I got to an area that I hadn't recognized, but I knew that if I just went back the other way, I'd go, I'd end up where I, to an area I recognized. The furthest I've ever been down this creek was past the point where the gate leads from the field into the creek, and it's like a little dirt, like a little 10-foot long dirt road that goes from the gate to the actual creek bed. And that's the farthest I've ever been because me and my grandma would always go down there and like hunt for crawdads or, you know, go down there and look for creek rocks to decorate stuff. But I had decided to go past that and go further down. And like I said, I kind of just messed around, hit rocks with sticks, did whatever. So I took my time going down there and really let, the sunset and I end up in this area where it's really because where I was originally you could still see the field through the tree line it was just really hard to I had already gotten to a point where I was out of the field and I was surrounded by trees like it was just trees all around me couldn't see the road couldn't see houses nothing and once I got there I was just in this like little pool area messing around with rocks and my dog was kind of wandering about doing her business and all of a sudden she starts aggressively growling now i am going to point out that my dog she is a she was a black lab and she was and how labs are known for being really sweet animals I have never in my life heard her growl like that. Like that was, it was a very aggressive sounding growl that it even scared me because I had never heard her make that noise before. So I immediately knew something was up because she was growling very aggressively. And like before I've heard her, you know, bark at animals. I've heard her, you know, do her normal snuff, but this was something different and i sat up from the creek and i was looking around i was asking like telling her like hey what's up girl like what's going on and she just kept looking at the tree line right behind me from where i was messing with the rocks and she just is growling and sometimes would bark at it and all of a sudden i hear like what i can only describe as it sounds like a mixture between a growl from a raccoon and the cough of a, like, 90-year smoker. Like a very intense coughing, growling, gurgling noise that I, I've, I still to this day have no explanation as to what could have made that noise and how a noise could... Like, I'm sure it was probably painful for the creature to make that noise because you could just hear 
it you know it just was like really guttural really it sounded like they just had smoke in their lungs and it was just constantly billowing out into like a growling gnarling sound so whenever that happened that's when i was like yeah i'm not i'm not going to stick around to find out what that noise is so i decide okay i'm going to go but i'm not going to like if cuz i you know thinking it's an animal i'm not going to get up and run because it's going to run after me so i slowly stand up i grab i think i grab like a stick and i was walking back trying to walk fairly slow so i wouldn't provoke it and my dog just stayed growling and barking at it and i kept telling her like let's go and as i get further up the creek i'm just walking slowly now a message from our sponsors say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill before this i tried to avoid going through the deep spots so i'd go up in the woods around and find another clear area to walk i didn't do that this time i got in the water and since it was about yeah about close to winter time the water was freezing and at some points it went up to my waist in depth but I did not want to go in those woods because I didn't want to, you know, be around that thing. And I get a little further ways up and I can hear it like moving in the woods. I can hear like little leaves crunching, sticks crunching, there's noises of it moving. And as I get further up the creek, I'm about, you know, one fourth of the way back. I start hearing like rustling, like intense running around all in the woods to my right. And that's when I decide that I'm just going to book it. And I, at this point, I don't know where my dog is. I had already walked far, far enough for me to not even see her anymore. And it was getting very dark. And since she's a black lab, I couldn't see her anyway, even if she was standing like five feet away from me. It was getting, it was about a little past sunset and it was getting very, very dark fast. And I just remember running through the water. I remember tripping on rocks, sticks. I had cuts all over me, even though I was wearing a hoodie and jeans. I ran for what felt like forever. And I eventually made it to the clearing that goes from the creek into the field through that gate and by this point whatever it was in the woods had still been following me to that side and in order for me to get to the field and up to my house i had to run through that little outcropping which was on my right side so this is only like a 10 foot span but 
if you think about it, like a you know an eight year old kid, I was a small eight year old kid, and I wasn't very athletic at the time, so I had to stop and really think about if I wanted to go here or if I wanted to run up to the bridge and go up through the road. If I had went up through the road, it would have taken me longer to get back home if I hadn't just went through the, you know, outcropping and up into the field and out. So I decided I'm just going to book it. And as I did that, I could hear it, you know, skittering and approaching from my right. And I just ran as hard as I could. That's probably the fastest I've ever run in my life going through that little dirt road. There's trees surrounding both sides out into the field as this thing's getting closer and closer to my right. Then I eventually get out onto the field. And at this point, it stopped following me. Whatever it was, it had given up. And I run up the hill, which this hill is almost a 45 degree angle. It's a huge hill going straight up and it, you know, it's, it's a lot to try to run up it. So I was almost crawling up the hill to get away from whatever it was in that, in those woods. And I finally get to the gate. I run around the house and I go inside and I talk to my grandma. I, I get yelled at for being that far down the creek, but at that point I didn't care. I just wanted to be in the house and away from whatever it was out there. And when I eventually told her about it, she didn't really like try to be like, Oh, that's not, you know, uh, that's not real. Or you might've just saw another animal. She just told me to never, ever go that far down the creek again. And that, like, I could have died, that, you know, that was very dangerous. I just got a really stern talking to. Then that's when, you know, the pain set in. I took my hoodie off and I had cuts and scratches all on my arms. My hands were cut up. My legs were bruised from falling in the creek, falling on rocks. And my legs hurt really bad. They were muscle aches everywhere. My back hurt. That's when the pain set in, but what hurt even more was I didn't know where my dog was. My dog was, the last time I saw her, was a mile down that creek with whatever it was in those woods, and she hadn't followed me home. I go outside, and I'm calling for her, and I just cannot find her. Like I'm looking everywhere. I'm looking in her bed, in the shed where she liked to sleep at. I'm looking everywhere trying to look for my dog. And as far as I know, I don't know what time she came home, even if she did come home at night, because I woke up the next morning and there she was in her bed. She had no scratches, no damage to her. But, you know, I was just happy to really see her. I was really happy to see her because. I had thought I lost my dog to whatever animal, creature, thing was in the woods. So I don't know what happened to her, but she came back unscathed. And from that day on, I never went that far down to the creek. I never 
went past I went past the the outcropping a couple of times, but I never went as far as I did as a kid. And now every time I go to the creek, I bring a knife with me or some other kind of protection because I'm not going to get caught out there again, unprepared, not ready to fight whatever this thing is. And as far as I can remember, even as a kid, I didn't go down to the creek a lot after that. I did with other people, but I very, very rarely ever went there. And after that happened, the coyotes that were outside my window didn't frighten me as much. It didn't scare me nearly as much as whatever that was in the woods that was making that horrific coughing, wheezing, growling noise and chasing me for the mile that it took me to get back up to my grandma's house. Yeah, that's crazy. I can only imagine, you know, even running at full speed at that age. I mean, like a 10 minute mile is, is pretty impressive for most people, you know, and, um, you know, or at least to me, like a 10 minute mile. So I imagine just 10 minutes of you just, just absolutely booking it and just getting, you know, cut up here. And, and that's terrifying. And, uh, yeah. And like like I said, it was during the fall and it was really cold. Like I was wearing a jacket and I was running through water that was waist high. So I was already, I got home wet. I was freezing, but in in my kid brain and even now I didn't care about any of that. I just needed to get as far away from whatever it was that was chasing me as possible. What do you think it might have been? You know, I have I still ask myself that. I've looked up different animal calls cuz at first, you know, me being a kid, I wanted to figure out what it was. I didn't want to believe that it was some kind of monster or some kind of, you know, creature that I couldn't understand so I tried looking up different calls of animals different ways that they acted I even thought at one point that it might have been a rabid animal and I was just very lucky to not have gotten attacked or you know by it but the more and more I've looked around the less I can explain what it was other than you know something that is almost otherworldly. Like I can't find any animals in this area that would even closely make a noise as horrific as whatever that thing was making. Yeah, that's interesting. I'd be curious to to see what other people maybe have experienced. Have you ever heard or seen a story online that you know, uh, reminds you of what happened to you that night, maybe, and and if people have any supporting details, they found footprints, anything like that? Um, for me, the real, the really big piece of evidence that kind of, I would begin to think it was a certain creature would have to be, um, like a, what was that? I forgot what it was called, but there's like a myth. It's a mythical creature that has like, oh goodness, I cannot remember it. <laughs> but the best way that I could try to explain 
it would be something probably related to a skinwalker of some kind just simply because of the fact that i i've heard accounts of people saying like it makes really guttural noises it you know it can make those very hoarse sounding screams so that's the closest i could get to it as for like evidence of it i haven't i didn't see it i i was too busy running from the thing and just looking forward trying not to get tripped over by something to really get a good glimpse at it but definitely i would say that it's i i wouldn't say that that's a normal animal I hope that maybe in the future I will find something that will explain what it is so that I can better understand what I experienced. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I, I do know there was um, a movie, they'd call it, uh, it was entitled The the Missouri Monster, or, and they nicknamed it the Momo Monster, which was, you know, they, they had uh, speculated mm-hmm. that it, it was something... Close to like a Bigfoot, but much bigger almost, and uh, large bipedal humanoid, but with like a very elongated head, um, you know, and yeah, something kind of similar. Yeah, happened. I've heard of the Momo monster. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's something that goes through my head when I hear your story, something like that, but I mean, it's just so, there's so many things out there that we don't know about, and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. super interesting. Like I said, it's it's just the only way, the only thing I could come up with is may, it could have very well been something else, but the first thing that popped into my mind was a Wendigo of some kind, because I've heard stories about them. I've, you know, I've heard a couple of rumors from hunters and stuff, not around here, but on like the internet, and I've been to different states around and. I've heard stories from people that have said that it that's the best way I can describe what the sound is, but like it's really hard to go off based off of what the noise it makes because I didn't actually get to see what it was. But I just wonder what my dog might have seen because she obviously knew that something was there before I did. So I just I think about if maybe I had went down there and I didn't have my dog with me if I wouldn't have been able to know it was there and escape. Yeah. It's crazy that your dog just is back there with, with no, no apparent injuries. I mean, I really feel like your dog saved your life that day. I mean, I feel like it, it kept whatever it was at bay. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's, um, that dog, she sadly passed away when I was really young, but she was always a really good dog. She always hung out with me, and since I was, like, the only child that lived really in that area and at that house, she always wanted to play with me. So I think the fact that I had such a loving relationship with that dog and how that dog wanted to follow me everywhere saved my life. Like, that dog was willing to hold back whatever this was, fight it, alert me to it, whenever. And the fact that she decided to come with me to that 
trip when she could have very well just stayed home and sleep or, you know, do her whatever she wanted to do. It's the fact that she wanted to be with me that I really do feel like that is what saved me from, you know, whatever that was. Now, as an adult, do you think you'd ever go back there out that far again, maybe with a group of people um, and more? Oh, know. definitely with a group of people. Yeah, I don't think I'd ever. Like, I would not want to go back again. there. Yeah, it's terrifying. <laughs> but, yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah. Did the the area ever develop since then? Has there been more homes that have been put out there? Um, so... For this area, a lot of people own a lot of land, so a lot of the development wasn't exactly like building new homes. It was remodeling old buildings into homes, and, you know, I don't know if they might have saw anything while they were building it, but like remodeling new houses, doing whatever, but that creek area, I haven't, to my knowledge, nobody has built on that creek in a very long time. And in that area, the only thing that I know of that's man-made in that area is the occasional piece of trash that flows down the creek and a deer stand that's been abandoned for a very long time. Yeah, well, that'd be interesting, you know. I wonder if uh, what it was might still be out there then, or if it has more than just itself or... Mm -hmm. I just want to know what it looks like because if it has, if it can make a noise like that, I can only imagine how terrifying the thing actually looks. Yeah. Was it extremely loud or did it, was it close to you when it made the noise? Did it sound like it was distant, but just like a very deep rumble or? It was similar to like, you know, a dog will kind of do a low growl. It sounded very close. Like it sounded almost on the tree line but it only made that noise when my dog started growling at it so it was, it was like a response to my dog being aggressive it started getting aggressive and it didn't sound like it followed me and i heard it up in the tree line and at certain points i'd hear it a little bit more distant but i would hear whatever it was you know coming after me so I'd get further away, some parts of the creek, you know, bend into a, almost like a U shape. So I'd have to go around and it could kind of like cut across the tree line, you know. But it follow, it was definitely pretty, fairly close to me, like within, you know, a hundred feet of me. Yeah, at any given point. That's, that's incredible. I uh, mm -hmm. Get so many images in my head when I when I when I get to do these and I just listen and it's just I don't know it's scary you know because I think about things that I've done as a child being out in the woods by myself and just you know I've never had anything like that definitely I've had encounters with with animals or things that I've seen that I can't explain um, whether it be just my lack of understanding of the animals in that area at the time or you know or just general um, things that are unacceptable yeah definitely but yeah that's. Well, For I me, mean, it was mostly, it was an ex unexplainable in the sense that I've never heard an animal make that noise. Yeah. Have you ever heard anything like it, close to it since? It, um, you know, 
probably like the same noise that a dog would make whenever it gags. Like they kind of make that noise. Oh yeah, it's like but super constant. Super like a yeah. really like a like I said, it choking, sounded like, like it sounded like whatever it would whatever it was had been smoking for like ninety years. Like a extreme amount of time to where it just it sounded like it had smoke in its mouth as it was growling. Like kind of muffled but just a really hoarse, almost painful sounding growl yeah it was like the uh the corpse husband of dogs like it was just super deep <laughs> mm-hmm. almost that's yeah i mean i've got a pretty yeah, deep de- voice and, definitely you know so i can only imagine like amplified whenever i'm coughing and it sounds pretty harsh and uh you know that's oh yeah that's crazy all right well i guess uh but it was like a perpetual coughing it like sounded constant, like it it just breathing was constantly coughing for it. Okay, so it's like a wheeze, like it was just we. Well, did it feel like a wheeze, or did it feel mm-hmm. like its cough was like just like its natural kind of like uh, its idle animation almost. Kind of, kind of like the sound a zombie would make. Oh like god, a, a zombie! Yeah. Like it sounded like a, a zombie. Well, yeah, it was just like a constant. Every breath is a struggle. <laughs> yeah, god, that's that's. Mm-hmm just imagining that and and you know this huge open space once again another message from our sponsors our bodies come in different shapes and sizes so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too that's the beauty of noom they build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions medical issues and other personal needs so your plan works for you Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. And then, you know, mm-hmm. wintertime, I'm sure that, you know, your lungs are are already struggling with the cold air. and um, yeah. yeah. What was funny was the fact that the hunters and stuff that talked about the wintertime had, all, like, around here, it's not very common for you to find people that hunt in the winter because they say that it could be because of, like, seasonal changes that, you know, people sometimes get seasonal depression or however it is. But... I just found it weird how this happened in the fall and I've had heard stories of people saying like, Oh, don't hunt in the fall or winter time. You know, you feel this immense dread or like almost an old, almost a sad feeling when you're in the woods hunting. And a lot of people, you know, they've been discouraged from hunting for that reason. They don't want to hunt in the, in during those times because they don't want to feel that feeling. And ha- after this, I'm not I'm not going to hunt ever again. I'm not going to go out there by myself and maybe see the thing again. 
Yeah. Well, I personally, I've never been hunting. The most hunting I do is for a good deal at Ross every now and then, but, uh, you know, that's as close as I get. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, as an adult, I very, I rarely go outside now and I, you know, I hear all these stories and I, you know, and, uh, I've become paranoid, but I feel like my fight or flight senses have increased. Um, just with like just hearing things from things that happen in the city, uh, like rural areas, like you explained. Um, cause my family's all, they all live in, in like a small town in Texas, you know, one of those towns that everyone knows each other, but same, you know, uh, acres, the land in between properties, you know, just out there and you make your own fun essentially, you know, whether it be pulling tree branches and making little forts or, you know, whatever you, you do to, to pass your time. Um, or like making makeshift spears. We just, you know, but I was the youngest out of three brothers. So, you know, uh, we always got into trouble and, uh, you know, at least on my side, my mom knew something was yeah. up if, if she couldn't hear us, if we were quiet, she always knew something was, was going on. She's like, okay, what, what are you guys doing in there? But, uh, you know, or we just my grandma would just know by the way I walked. Yeah, she had a sixth up. sense for that. But I very rarely got in trouble, except for that once. She scolded me pretty hard for that, and I'm sure it's for good reason. She probably knew something at the time I didn't, but she told me to never go that far again. And from that time on, like for about a year or so, I would go down to the creek with her. Like she wouldn't let me go even to the bridge alone. We would have to go together. Then she started to lay off a little bit on it, and then... Now I don't go that far by choice. Yeah, only if it's something like uh, I guess you have to do, or you know that makes sense. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Did you ever tell anybody at school about this story? I did tell a couple of my close friends, and I, you know, I told my grandma obviously, and a lot of them they they didn't want to believe me because they were like, oh, you, you didn't see it. So it's obviously, you know, you could have just fabricated it. And I told them with, like I said, you with the noise it was making, I don't want to know what it looked like. And on top of that, the fact that, you know, whenever I'm telling, whenever I tell people the story, I always tell them it could have been an animal. It could very well have been like a, a diseased animal it could have been something rabid it it could have been the crazy instance of my dog was chasing after it after it conveniently in the same direction that i was running so you know it, there's a lot of different things that it could have been i just can't find any sources that show me what it could have possibly been but like i like I just any like solid sources that is, you know, things that have multiple yeah, details that kind of details. line up, mm -hmm. line up with my story. And, but if I did have the choice, I would want to try and capture it again, like try to find it I mean, get a good look at it, get a description, you know, go online, find people that have had similar encounters, kind of correlate the story. But yeah, that's my take on it. I don't really want to see it again. But if I had the choice, I probably would. 
from with like binoculars. <laughs> yeah, or set up in like one of those cameras you put on the trees and it captures, captures the you know the pictures. That yeah, I'd nice. much rather that. All right. Well, I, I appreciate your story and your time and everything, and it's been uh, wildly fascinating. And I, you know, personally, I want to look up into this and, you know, and just see what I can find online now. It's it's super intriguing. Um, is there anything you want to tell the listeners? Maybe yeah. maybe some, you know, some of the younger audience that might be listening in, and you know, and they maybe they they live you know in a rural area and they explore, you know, with a brother or sibling by themselves. I would say if you're going with yourself, bring some kind of protection with you, whether it be like if you're spiritual, you could bring spiritual protection. If you like more of a physical protection, you can bring a knife, you know, something, something to defend yourself because I was in a very vulnerable situation where I had nothing to defend myself besides the watch that was on my wrist. Like, I I don't know what I could have done with that, but that's all I had. And so I would recommend that. And then if you do have a dog, or, you know, if you have, mostly it's a dog, try to bring them with you because dogs can sense something that, they, they can sense a lot of things that people can't. And that's really what, I think saved me from whatever that was because like I said, it didn't start growling until my dog started growling at it. So I want to, I kind of theorized that it was trying to either sneak up on me or my dog growling at it provoked it enough to attack us. So, but the fact that my dog knew before I did was very crucial in my survival of that situation. And then the third thing is, Tell someone where you're going to be. Don't randomly go into the woods without any explanation because I hadn't told my grandma that I went into the woods that far down the creek. So if something would have happened to me, she wouldn't have known, you know, where to look, where to try to find if I had died my body or traces. I mean, she wouldn't have had no indication of where I was so just tell somebody where you are whenever you go somewhere that is a place like that you know very secluded or even going outside to go walk down the street or just make sure somebody knows I think that's pretty well said I I mean I I support everything you said that's that was really good advice and um all right I guess we'll uh We'll uh, get on to more stories in the next the next episode. But thank you again, Autumn, so much for for taking some time out of your day to share your story. I really appreciate it. And um, right. thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity, and I really like the channel. And this is pretty big for me. So it's the first time I've really gotten involved in something this big. So it's definitely really fun for me. Perfect. All right, I'm gonna. Uh, I guess I'll hit the stop button in T minus three, two, one. The world is filled with stories of strange and elusive creatures that defy explanation. These cryptids often lurking on the fringes of human knowledge, capturing our imaginations and inspire countless myths and legends. One such enigmatic being the Momo monster, a creature said to roam the woods of Missouri 
And after my conversation with Autumn, I decided to dig a little bit deeper into the lore surrounding the Momo monster, examining its origins, alleged sightings, and the enduring fascination it holds for both believers and skeptics. The Origins of the Momo Monster While the Momo Monster is short for Missouri Monster, first entered the realm of popular folklore in the early 1970s, its origins can be traced back to the series of alleged sightings in and around the town of Louisiana, Missouri. In 1971, descriptions of the creature varied, but common attributes included a hairy ape-like appearance, a foul odor, and a propensity for violence. The legend quickly spread and the Momo became a local sensation. One of the earliest sightings of Momo occurred July 1971, when two young boys claimed to have encountered the creature while playing in the woods. Their account described a large, hairy, and grotesque figure that terrified them. As news of the incident spread, more ports and sightings emerged, and soon, Momo became a sensation in the media. Alleged sightings and counters. Throughout the 1970s, numerous reports of Momo sightings poured in from various parts of Missouri. Witnesses described encountering with a towering bipedal creature, covered in hair, and possessing an otherworldly appearance. Most disturbingly, many claimed that Momo was aggressive, displaying hostile behavior towards humans and animals alike. The accounts were often accompanied by unsettling details. Witness reports hearing eerie sounds, witnessing strange footprints, and discovering unusual call marks on trees. The town of Louisiana was at the epic center of these sightings, and as word spread, locals began to take precautions when venturing into the nearby woods. As with many cryptic legends, skepticism and specific inquiries soon followed the Momo monster sightings. Skeptics argued that the sightings could be attributed to a variety of factors, including misidentification of known animals, hoaxes, and the power of suggestion. Some suggested that Momo sightings could be linked to the widespread fear of unknown creatures prevalent in American culture. In the absence of concrete evidence, efforts to investigate Momo sightings yielded little. Despite this, the legend continues to captivate the imaginations of Missourians, and Momo remains a popular topic of discussion among cryptozoologists and enthusiasts of the unexplained. The legend of the Momo monster left an indelible mark on Missouri's cultural landscape. Momo has become a source of local pride, with businesses, festivals, and even a Momo statue commemorating the creature in Louisiana. The Momo monster serves as a reminder of the power of folklore and the enduring fascination humans have with the unknown. And in conclusion, the Momo monster Missouri born from a series of mysterious sightings in the 1970s, continues to captivate cryptid legend. Whether one believes in the existence of such creatures or views them as products of imagination, the legend of Momo demonstrates how folklore and storytelling can shape a community's identity and spark the human curiosity to explore the unexplained. As long as tales of strange creatures persist, so too were the allure of the Momo monster in the hearts and minds of those who call Missouri home. My investigation also brought me to what is known as the Boggy Creek Monster, or the Folk Monster, albeit located inside Arkansas. This creature has haunted the imaginations of those living in the remote swamplands of Folk, Arkansas. And if you'd sit with me for just a bit, I'd like to explore the ledge in the Folk Monster, tracing its origins as well, reported encounters, and the enduring impact it's had on local culture, 
and cryptid enthusiast. The folk monster, also known as Southern Sasquatch, or the Boggy Creek Monster, found its way into public consciousness in the early 1970s. The legend emerged from the sparsely populated region surrounding the town of Folk, located in Miller County, Arkansas. Unlike the traditional Bigfoot, which is often associated with mountainous regions, the folk monster was described as a large, hairy, ape-like creature, haunting the murky swamps of southern Arkansas. The folk monster's fame can largely attribute to the documentary-style horror film The Legend of Boggy Creek, which was released in 1972, directed by Charles B. Pierce. The film was inspired by real-life sightings and reports of encounters with the creature. The movie would feature dramatic reenactments of these alleged instances, further fueling public fascination with the folk monster. Many of the reports encountered with the folk monster shared common characteristics. Witnesses described a towering, bipedal creature covered in hair, often exceeding seven feet in height. It was said to have a foul, pungent odor that preceded its appearance. Eyewitness recounts unsettling instances of the creature peering into windows, terrorizing livestock, and leaving behind inexplainable footprints. These stories captivated both believers and skeptics alike, sparking many debates about the existence of such a creature in the American South. With as many cryptid legends, the folk monster's existence has been met with skepticism. Critics argue that sightings can be attributed to misidentifications of known animals, hoaxes, powers of suggestion. Additionally, the lack of concrete physical evidence, such as photographs or DNA samples, has fueled doubts about the creature's existence. Nonetheless, proponents of the folk monster remain steadfast in their belief. They argue that the remote and densely forested swamps of southern Arkansas provide ample hiding places for elusive creatures, making definitive proof difficult to obtain. The debates surrounding the folk monster continue to attract researchers and cryptozoologists seeking to unravel the mystery. The folk monster has left an endearing mark on the culture of southern Arkansas, the legend has become a source of local pride for tourism, much like the Momo Monster, and the Folk Monster's annual events and festivals dedicated to the creature. Residents have embraced the legend, and it's become the integral part of the region's identity. After looking to both of these creatures, I'm still not sure if I know exactly what it was that Autumn had seen. I'd be interested in seeing what everyone else sees over on the Discord server. And with that being said, I just want to say thanks again everybody for listening. And if you made it this far, I'm sure you'd love to know where you can find more content. For more scary podcasts like this and a link to our Discord, where you can reach out to be interviewed to the show, please go to EerieCast.com. Thanks again, everyone. This is Eric signing off for the night. And I hope you guys have a good one. Stay safe. I really hope you're enjoying enjoying the show. I have a lot of fun, a lot of fun being here. Honestly, it's uh it's 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 amazing. I love it. I love being able to do this. So can't stress that enough. I look forward to it. Yeah, so please hit me up on the Discord. You can find me on there. And uh, and yeah, so I'll catch you guys later. All right, that's enough. Enough rambling. I'm sure you guys want to get to the next episode. Or not. Maybe there's not a next episode out yet. Who knows? Maybe there is. Possibly. I got a bunch of them recorded. So they're coming. Uh, just got to edit a bunch of stuff. So that's about it. Okay, that's enough. I'm rambling. I'm rambling. I could talk for hours, guys.